بسم الله بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في الأرضين أجل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف Studying what we should do with respect to the Qur'an, we said that the very first thing is to believe in the Qur'an. And this has two levels. One is to believe in the Qur'an in the sense that we believe that this is the word of God and this has come for our guidance. But the second level is to believe that the Qur'an must be followed in every single action we must implement the Quran not just to believe that this is word of God and we love and we kiss but we do our own things then we said just looking at the Quran is also a great thing and this is ibadah then we said recitation of the Quran is ibadah and we were just talking about the recitation of the Qur'an, that time finished. Recitation of the Qur'an has in itself looking at the Qur'an. So it has a kind of uh, merit that it combines the looking at the Qur'an and reading the Qur'an and if we recite Qur'an properly, it can also have tadabbur of the Qur'an. Because without recitation of the Qur'an, you cannot have tadabbur. So that tadabbur and reflection on the Qur'an also can come with recitation. So recitation is actually the main thing that helps us to interact with the Qur'an. You remember we said that if someone recites the Qur'an, would be even beneficial for the parents who are not mu'min, who are not believers. If someone has parents who are not faithful, still, inshallah, Allah will help them because of the recitation that you perform. Now, today I want to go into some etiquettes of recitation of the Quran, some of the manners that we have to observe in recitation of the Quran. One of the very first things that we should try to do is that when we want to recite the Quran to make wuzu, recitation of the Quran should be performed exactly like the time that we want to say our prayer. So we should have tahara. And wuzu by itself is nur, but also prepares us for recitation of the Qur'an. And it is also recommended that before wuzu, we brush our teeth. And there is hadith that says you should clean the channels of the Qur'an. The person asks, what is the channel of one? said, your mouth. So when you are going to recite and read the words of Allah, so your mouth must uh, smell good. So, toothing brush and then making wuzu 
is very important and also this is for salat also and it is uh, very much recommended then we should try to find a good place to sit for recitation of the Quran of course this doesn't mean that if a good place is not available we don't recite for example if you are in a uh, bus or for example underground or workplace uh, still it's good to recite the Quran but if you have choice we should try to find a place which is quiet and private so that we can better reflect on the Quran and understand the Quran in Misbah al-Shari'a Imam, which is attributed to Imam Sadiq salam Imam salam says this passage is very important he says, "Man qara al Quran, walam yakhda Allah, walam yarak qalbhu, walam yarak qalbhu, wala yaktasi huznan wa wajlan fi sirr, faqad istahana bi'adam shan Allah Taala." The one who recites the Quran, and then his heart doesn't become soft and humble. He doesn't feel that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is great and therefore he doesn't feel the awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He doesn't have any sadness in himself, in his depth. He has undermined the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these are the things that inshallah we will talk about them. That we should have sadness, a kind of seriousness in our heart when we recite the Quran. Then Imam Sadiq said, Qara'ul Quran yahtaju ila thalathat ashiya. The one who recites the Quran needs three things. Qalbin khashi' wa badanin farigh wa mawdhi'in khalin. He needs three things. One is humble heart. If your heart is humble, then you can benefit from the guidance of the Quran. If you are arrogant, na'uzubillah, then you don't benefit from the Quran. So humbleness opens our heart to the light of the Quran. And Imam explains this later. Also, you must be free. Your body, your mind, your attention, all must be free. If you are under pressure, if you are busy, if you are thinking about other things, so it doesn't work. A private place. Then Imam said, فَإِذَا خَشَعَ لِلَّهِ قَلْبُهُ When your heart is humble for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَرَّ مِنْهُ الشَّيْطَانُ الرَّجِيمُ Satan, who is rejected from heaven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, would escape. Because we understand from the Quran, one of the times that Satan is very alert, and tries to be very active is when we want to recite the Quran. When we want to recite the Quran, Satan tries to stop us. First, by not letting us to recite the Quran, and if he sees that we are very much insistent, then he says, okay, you recite the Quran, but I divert your attention, I change your intention, I don't try to have concentration Therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِذَا قَرَعْتَ الْقُرْآنَ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ Whenever you recite the Qur'an, ask refuge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why when we recite the Qur'an? 
This is something very nice, something very spiritual. When I go to shop or when I go to university or to the street, I should ask, uh, ask, uh, ask Allah for help, protection. Why when I'm going to recite Quran? This shows that shaitan comes to stop us to first go to the Quran and even when we go to Quran, it stops us to benefit from the Quran. Because shaitan is very clever and efficient. So, I sometimes say, you know, there are people who hardly go to the mosque. So, when they go to the mosque for Ramadan or, you know, Muharram or any, you know, occasion, so there is a chance that they may enjoy. They may think that it's really beneficial. So, they may keep going. Shaitan comes and creates a problem for them. For example, this person has never gone to the mosque, just has gone once, in the same day, his car is receiving a ticket. Or someone, you know, misplaces his shoes. Or someone who speaks too much sits next to him. So this person says, I never go to the mosque. Because this is shaitan trying to have a bad, you know, image of going to the mosque in his mind. Or, you know, for example, when we go to Hajj. Hajj or Ziyarah is very special, but sometimes Shaitan creates problems for us right in the holy places, in the most sacred places you face problems. So, shall we give up and say, okay, we don't want to go or we should continue, but we should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us protection and refuge. So, Allah says, فَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنِ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ for everything, even the most sacred things, we should ask Allah to give us protection. So, if his heart is humble, <coughs> shaitan will run away. If he has managed to free his heart and attention for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then his heart becomes free. For recitation, then nothing will happen to stop him. So that he would be deprived from the light of the Quran and benefits of the Quran. So the light of the Quran and the benefits of the Quran are for the people whose heart is free at that time. And in, if after these two, after you are humble and your heart is free, if you choose a place which is quiet and you try to be away from the people, then then you would start getting familiarity and acquaintance with the Quran, you feel the Quran is your close companion. You know, if I want to speak with you and I want to be really with you and not to be distracted, what I do? I don't go to a very busy place. I try to find a private or quiet place and switch off the mobile, everything. I say, I am at your service so we can speak, you know, without distraction. So when you do this, then the Qur'an 
becomes your friend, your Quran becomes your companion. وَوَجَدَ حَلَاوَةَ مُخَاطَبَةِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ عِبَادَهُ الصَّالِحِينَ Then he will start tasting the sweetness of Allah's conversation with his righteous people. Because through Quran, Allah talks to his righteous servants. So we, inshallah, can have that taste. وَعَلِمَ لُطْفَهُ بِهِمْ وَمَقَامَ اخْتِصَاسِهِ لَهُمْ بِفُنُونِ كَرَامَاتِهِ وَبَدَاعِ إِشَارَاتِهِ Then he would start understanding how much favor has been, or how many uh, blessings have been given to these people by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And how Allah has made certain things only available for these people. فَإِذَا شَرِبَ كَأْسًا مِنْ هَذَا الشَّرِبَ If he drinks a cup of this fountain, this spring of the Qur'an, لَا يَخْتَارُ عَلَى ذَلِكَ الْحَالَ حَالًا He will never prefer anything over just this recitation of the Qur'an. If you really be, are given this taste of the Qur'an and feel that Allah is talking to you, Imam Sadaq said, then you will never be replacing this with anything else. And you don't choose any time over this time. This is the best time for you. بَلْ يُؤْثِرُهُمْ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ طَاعَةٍ وَعِبَادَةٍ For him, this would be the best type of ibadah. Why? لَأَنَّ Look at this sentence. لَأَنَّ فِيهِ الْمُنَاجَاتِ مَعَ الرَّبِّ بِلَا ضَاسِطَةٍ Because it is when you recite the Qur'an that you have munajat, you have whisper with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without any Medium. No one is there to be between you and Allah. This is the word of Allah and you are addressed by the word of Allah. So it's direct conversation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is mentioned about the Ahlul Bayt salam that for example, I think it's Imam Zainul Abidin if I'm not mistaken, that in his prayer, because you know, even in the prayer, we have recitation of the Quran. Without recitation of the Quran, prayer is nothing. So, in prayer, Imam was repeating, so many times that as if he was hearing this from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the feeling that they had. When we read the Quran, Maybe we don't feel anything because we think this is a text that we are reading. But when the people who have that understanding read the Quran, they feel that Allah is talking to them. They realize that these words are only manifestations of the real Quran, which is word of God, as we explained you know, in previous sessions. فَانْظُرْ كَيْفَ تَقْرَأُ كِتَابَ رَبِّكَ so be careful about the way you read the book of your Lord. This is the text on which your velaya, the guardianship between Allah and you is based. 
Allah is the wali and the guardian of the mu'mineen. What is the basis, what is the document for this? It's the Qur'an. وَكَيْفَ تُجِيبُ أَوَامِرَهُ وَنَوَاهِهُ Be careful about the way you follow Allah's commands and observe Allah's prohibitions. وَكَيْفَ تَمْتَثَلُ حُدُودَهُ And how do you observe Allah's laws and uh, rulings? And then Imam said, فَرَتَّلُهُ تَرْتِيلًا When you read the Qur'an, read it with attention. Slowly, carefully. فَقِفْ عِنْدَ بَعْدِهِ وَبَعِيدِهِ When Allah gives you a promise in the Qur'an. For example, Allah says, This is the reward for righteous people. This is the reward for the people who do good. Stop there. And take this promise for yourself. That if I do this, this reward is for me. When you reach the verse in which Allah is warning and threatening, stop there. Maybe this is about me. I have to be very careful. If I do this or if I have been doing this, this punishment is for me. So everything we should apply to ourselves. This is very important. Don't think that this is for other people. It is for us. It's not for the people who lived in the time of the Prophet or you know, for people who live in another part of the world. It is about us. All can apply to me. Qif inda ba'dihi wa ba'idih wa tafakkar fi amthalih One of the beautiful ways of explaining the things in the Qur'an is the parables that Allah uses in the Qur'an. We talked about it once. These parables are very important but these are not simple. If you Reflect on them, you find they have many different dimensions. Some ulama have written books on these parables of the Qur'an. Amthal al-Qur'an. At least we should a little bit think about these parables and try to go into depth of these parables. And when Allah gives us some advice, we should think about it. Wahdar. أن تقع من إقامتك حروفه في إضاعة حدوده. And be careful by paying too much attention to recitation and reading beautifully and you know being very careful about all the techniques of recitation. Be careful not to forget to implement Allah's rulings. Sometimes we recite the Quran very beautifully, but this by itself diverts our attention from understanding. Because you have to be very careful about the way you recite. Then you don't have any time to think about the meanings and the concepts. So, to recite the Quran with beautiful voice is very good. But if it doesn't stop you to understand... In other words, it's very good to recite the Qur'an beautifully in the way that can make your heart soft and prepared for reflection, for understanding, for getting lessons from the Qur'an. So this is an instrument. But if this becomes by itself an aim, my aim is to recite Qur'an the most beautiful way. This is not an aim, this must be an instrument. Why? Because the main thing, the main aim is 
to understand the Quran. So we have many things about recitation in beautiful voice. For example, there is hadith لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ وَحِلْيَةُ الْقُرْآنَ الصَّوْتُ الْحَسَنِ Everything has adornment and for Qur'an is beautiful voice. Or for example, the Prophet said, حَسَّنُ الْقُرْآنَ بِأَسْوَاتِكُمْ فَإِنَّ الصَّوْتَ الْحَسَنِ يَزِيدُ الْقُرْآنَ خُسْنًا Try to read the Qur'an with beautiful voice. Decorate your recitation with beautiful voice. Because this gives more beauty to the Qur'an. And on the other hand, if we recite the Qur'an in a bad way, it may affect you know, other people. Sometimes a person is enjoying himself recitation of the Qur'an, but because he or she does not recite properly, children at home or other people at home may feel bad. So if we don't recite nicely, if we don't like to hear, so we should recite quietly or in a, you know, another room. Anyway, recitation of the Qur'an with beautiful voice is very good, but this must not become our main aim. The main thing is to be able to read and understand. And even there are hadiths that if someone is not able to read the Quran properly, maybe he has a problem that he can not recite properly. Maybe his tongue or his language is in the way that he has not been used to this kind of Arabic letters. This is not that much important. There is hadith that you recite the Quran maybe. For example, there is a hadith about a blind person who cannot recite properly. And the hadith says, okay, he recites as he can, but then it will be raised to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way that Quran was revealed. Like Bilal. Bilal was not able to recite that properly. But that was accepted by Allah as perfect zat. Because your intention is important. Your commitment is important. So, you do your best. You try to recite the Quran as good as possible, as beautiful as possible. But the main thing is the purity of the heart and the attention and the love that you show for the Quran. So, to have a quiet place to be free to be humble these are some of the things that imam sadr mentions in misbah sharia another thing that we should observe is to try to read some verses of the quran every day if we can have every day some recitation, some reflection, it's very good. It's much better than having few hours one day and then nothing in the rest of the week. Sometimes, for example, maybe some people when there is weekend or holiday, you know, they recite a lot. It's not that much working. It must be regular even if it is little. And we have hadiths that... If you do little and you do it continuously and regularly, it's better than doing a lot but just one off. And also you make yourself you know, bored with that and you become tired. 
According to some hadith, it's recommended to recite 50 verses every day. So as an average, of course, some verses may be very long, some verses may be sh short. As an average, 50 verses so that you can reflect. Maybe you can say, you know, two pages, for example, of the Quran uh, with reflection. This would be very useful. And also, as we said, we must not be only concerned with the completion of surah, just to finish the surah. This is not good. There is a hadith which I deliberately wanted to read for you because it is also about one of the discussions that we had about the way the Quran was compiled. This is narrated by the late Haji Nuri, the teacher of Sheikh Abbas Qummi, in Mustadrak Wasail Shia, volume 4, page 238. And he himself quotes from the second martyr, as Shahid Uthani, in his book, Asrar al-Salat. قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم لابن مسعود The Prophet told Ibn Mas'ud. Ibn Mas'ud was a companion of the Prophet and one of the writers of the Quran, one of the scribes, Kuttab al Look at this hadith. قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم لابن مسعود اقرأ علي Recite for me something from the Quran. قال then Ibn Mas'ud says, فَفَتَحْتُ سُورَةً nisa I opened the chapter and nisa So, he opened the Quran and started reading from chapter and nisa فَلَمَّا بَلَغْتُ When I reached this verse, فَكَيْفَ إِذَا جِئْنَا مِنْ كُلُّ أُمَّةٍ بِشَهِيدٍ وَجِئْنَا بِكَ عَلَى هَؤُلَاءِ شَهِيدًا Allah says that on the day of judgment, what would be your condition, your feeling, when we bring a witness from every nation and we will call you to be witness for these people, people of your age, your time. Because according to the Quran, at every age, there is a person who is appointed as shaheed, as a witness. And this is the person that people of that age should follow him to understand what is expected from them. And on the Day of Judgment, then he comes and bears witness whether people have followed him or not. And this is a very important discussion. And this by itself shows that in every age, there must be an infallible person, a hujj of Allah, who can be the, like the standard. And this witness must live with the people. Because our Sunni brothers, they say, yes, this is true. But then the Prophet is witness for all the people after him. And they say, ha'ula means all people generation by generation to come. We say, no, witness must live with the people, must be among the people. And the Quran itself is very clear here. The Quran says about Prophet Isa, 
ala nabiyyina wa ali wa alayhi salam that when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks him anta qulta lil nas attakhizuni wa ummiya ilahain did you tell people to worship me and my mother to choose me and my mother as your lord it was it you that told them this and the prophet isa says of course no i told them whatever i was asked by you and told by you to tell them ma qultu lahum illa ma amartani bi i only told them what you asked me to tell them one of the things that isa alayhi salam says he says innama kuntu shahidan alayhim ma dumtu fihim falamma tawaffaytani kunta anta raqib alayhim I was only a witness over them as long as I lived with them. When you raised me, you were the only one who was observing what they do. So although Isa was not killed, he is still alive, but because he is raised and he is not living with the people of his nation, his age, he says, I am not shaheed, I am not witness over them. Innama kuntu alayhim shahidan ma dumtu fihim falamma tabaffaytani kunta anta raqib alayhim So this ayah clearly says that the shaheed is the one who lives among the people. So after the prophet passed away there must be a shaheed, there must be a witness. And again the Quran even confirms this as well it says afaman kana ala bayyinatin min rabbihi wa yatluhu shahidun minh supporting the prophet allah says the people who are not accepting you and believing in you they are disputing over the genuineness of a person who has clear signs from his lord and a witness from himself is following him. So there is a witness to follow the Prophet. Who is that shahid and witness who follows the Prophet? So this is a very important Quranic idea and this is the, one of the best proofs for having in every generation a hujjah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, Ibn Mas'ud says that when I recited Surah Nisa and I reached this verse, رَأَيْتُ عَيْنَيْهِ تَذْرِفَانِ مِنَ الدَّعْمَةِ I saw the eyes of the Prophet full of tears and the tears are coming out of the eyes of the Prophet. When the Prophet is reminded of the Day of Judgment and that he is going to be brought by Allah as a witness. فَقَالَ لِي حَسْبُكَ الْآنِ the Prophet said, this is enough. Don't read anymore. He wanted to stop there. And then the Prophet said, Read the Quran as long as your hearts become united 
and you feel you are very soft. If you feel that you are divided and your hearts are not united, you are not reciting the Quran. So one of the things that recitation of the Quran must do is to make you soft and to make you united in your hearts. Because when you are soft, there is no hatred. Hatred is when the heart is hard. When there is arrogance, heartedness. But the people who are soft, they don't have any problem with each other. There is no hatred, there is no enmity. So, Quran must make us soft and united. The point that is also very much important for us is that this hadith confirms the idea that we argued for previously. That the Quran was compiled according to the instruction of the Prophet during his life. You remember I said the chapters must be clearly decided by the Prophet? Because look, Ibn Mas'ud says, فَتَحْتُ سُورَةَ nisa I opened the Quran and read from Surah nisa If the Quran was just scattered pieces of revelations, what does it mean? That he says, I opened and read Surah nisa so this shows that during the life of the Prophet, this order and organization took place. Maybe not everyone had a copy of the Quran, but at least those who were the Qutabul Wahi, they knew. And you remember the hadith that the Prophet, when some verses from Surah Anfal was revealed, he said, put it there. He was asking those Qutabul Wahi to put these verses in that particular chapter. So this hadith also confirms that argument that we had before. There is also an, a hadith from Imam Ali salam about how to recite the Quran. This is famous hadith in Nahjul Balagh, which was the answer that Imam gave to Hammam. Hammam who asked Imam to describe for him the pious people. He said to Imam, please describe me for them the pious people as if I am looking at them. He wanted Imam to show very clearly who are the pious people. One of the things that Imam mentioned is about the way they spend their nights. Imam said, Amma layl فَصَافُونَ أَقْدَامَهُمْ تَعْلِينَ لَأَجْزَاءِ الْقُرْآنِ The pious people are the people that despite all the good things that they do during the day, they don't waste all their night. They sleep, they have rest, but at least part of their night they stand praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. صَافُونَ أَقْدَامَهُمْ they recite parts of the Quran. They don't read very fast. They read with care, with a slow speed during the night. They 
they try to make themselves sad. What does it mean to make yourself sad? Maybe you say, no, I want to be happy when I read the Quran. I don't want to be sad. This sadness is not against happiness. Sadness means to be serious. To take something serious makes you feel that it's a kind of sadness. But this is not a sadness which is bitter. If I read the Quran with attention and I know that I am in need of the Quran, I am a person who is ill, I am a person who has lots of problems, lots of spiritual disease, lots of problems with my whole life. I cannot be anything other than being serious and sad to some extent. But at the same time, I'm enjoying this. You know, when you sometimes pray or, you know, for example, you have very good condition in Laylatul Qadr or night of Jum'ah and you cry. This cry, although it's coming because of you are sad, but at the same time makes you feel very happy, very much you feel you have been uplifted. It makes you much more happy than going to watch, for example, a movie that people go and laugh. Those who go and laugh, they laugh from the surface of their being, from the surface of their heart. That joyfulness doesn't go deep into their soul. Therefore, as soon as they come out, they fight with each other. But when you cry, your joy is from the depths of your heart. So after that, you become so kind. You want to help everyone. You want to kiss your children. You want to, you know, do good things. You don't want to fight with anyone. That cry makes you very merciful. So, Imam says, these people, when they read the Quran, they try to make themselves sad. They know that the solution for their illness is in the Quran. So they read the Quran in the way that they can get from the Quran prescriptions. When you go as an ill person and visit a doctor, and you know that that doctor is very much knowledgeable and has experience, so you beg him, please give me prescription. The Quran has everything to offer. So we have to ask the Quran to help us. فَإِذَا مَرُّوا بِآيَةٍ فِيهَا تَشْوِيقٌ When they read the Quran and come across a verse which is encouraging, which is promising good reward for the pious people, رَكَنُوا إِلَيْهَا طَمَعًا They will have hope and expectation that inshallah this is going to be for me. Why you cannot be one of those people? There is no reason that we cannot be one of those people that who go to heaven and enjoy heaven. We can't be like them. All the rewards can be for us. We should have hope. If you say, no, there is no chance for me. I am too bad. This is not good. There is hope. They will aspire to those rewards and promises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala eagerly. And they think they are looking at those 
sceneries that Allah is. When Allah says about gardens and rivers and drinks, they think that they are looking at them. And if they reach the verse which is about punishment, again, they don't say, this may not happen to me. They read it carefully and they say, this may happen to me. Either because of what I have done so far, or even if they have done so far good things, there is no guarantee for future. Every person may collapse, may fail. So those things that Allah tells the bad people, we should not think that we are protected. So Imam Ali says, وَإِذَا مَرُّوا بِآيَةً فِيهَا تَخْوِيفٌ When there is a verse which is threatening and frightening, أَسْغَوْ إِلَيْهَا مَسَامِعَ قُلُوبِهِمْ They listen to those verses very carefully. They take it very seriously. وَذَنُّوا أَنَّ الزَّفِيرَ جَهَنَّمَ وَالشَّهِيقَهَا فِي أُسُولَ آذَانِهِمْ They so much carefully and wholeheartedly listen that it seems to them as if they are hearing the sound of the fire and the blazes of fire. So much they are certain about heaven and hell that it's as if they are seeing. And for normal people, they not maybe... They don't have this ability to see, but there are people that who actually see. Because you remember the story of that person from uh, the people of the platform, Ashab Sufa, that one day the Prophet saw one of them in Medina, because these were the people who migrated from Mecca to Medina. They didn't have any place, so they had to live on just a platform. So the Prophet asked him, كَيْفَ asbahta? How have you started your day? How are you today? This was after Fajr prayer. He said, Asbahtu muqanan. I am certain today. The Prophet said, Everything has a sign. What is the sign of your certainty? He said, My certainty has caused me not to sleep during the night and not to be able to drink and eat during the day. And I see hell and heaven. And I can tell you among the people who are with you, who are in hell and who are in heaven. And the Prophet said, don't say anything. Because these are the things that must not be disclosed. And then he said to the Prophet, please pray that I become martyr. Because when you reach that level, you don't want to lose it. He was worried that maybe he will lose that feeling. And later he became a martyr. So, if certainty is there, we can see. And this is Quran. If you had certainty, you would have been able to see the hell. Because hell and heaven are there. Of course, they are not fixed at the moment. So, people may be today in heaven, tomorrow in hell. Because everything is changing. This is not the final hell and heaven. That will be after the day of judgment. But temporary hell and heaven, barzakhi hell and heaven are there. And each of us right now 
is either in hell or heaven. When you meet a person, you may meet a person who is a heavenly person or a person from hell. And you feel that sometimes, you know, there are people, just you, when you look at them or sit with them, you feel very bad. Sometimes you feel very good. So, people are already in hell and heaven. But we cannot see. Imam Ali says, the pious people, muttaqin, are the people that when they read the Quran and they read a verse about heaven, it's as if they are seeing the heaven. So this is the minimum. So if you cannot actually see, at least you must really feel. And those verses which are about hell, again the same, they think that they are hearing. So this is about the, some of the etiquettes of recitation of the Quran. So, to brush, to make wuzu, to find a good place and be relaxed and free, to face qibla, to recite some portion regularly, to use beautiful voice if possible, and more than anything else, to reflect and try to apply verses of the Quran to yourself to see if you are in compliance with what the Quran wants or in conflict with that so to change and adapt yourself accordingly and get lessons from the Quran reflect on the parables amthal which are mentioned in the Quran these are some of the etiquettes of recitation of the Quran inshallah tomorrow we will talk more about the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to treat the Qur'an, especially when it comes to the concept of hamlul Qur'an. What does it mean to be a carrier of the Qur'an? And also how we can honor the Qur'an. So these are the things that are remaining and inshallah we'll talk about them tomorrow. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillah rabbil alam.